Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Grace Academy. I am one of your hosts, Kelsey. And I am one of your hosts, Carmen. And it is a beautiful day to podcast. Hello, Kelsey. How are you, my friend? I am good. So excited to get into this one because we've got some stuff to talk about. We do. And some A lot. A lot to talk about. (laughs) Yes. So much to discuss. So shall we just dive right in then? We can. Also, before we we do, you said, and this was a spoiler-free comment last last week, that this is overall thought of to be one of, if not the best written Grey's Anatomy episodes, correct? Yes. I agree. You do. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, It was a little bit, there were a couple of parts that were a bit... uh, um, I don't want to say cliche or cheesy. I, I saw them coming. Yeah. I wasn't surprised really by anything in the episode. Uh, well, no, I, I was surprised about things in the episode, yeah. but I'll tell you the things that I saw coming. Okay. Uh, anyways, yes, okay. take it away. Or do you want me to start with the music piece? We'll start with the music. So this one is called Into You Like a Train. Yes. So uh, there are two songs that you sent me. So you sent me Into mm-hmm. You Like a Train by the psychedelic furs, but also you ought to know by Alanis Morissette. So can you please explain the, uh, the reasoning for that? Yeah. So when I was doing my research and I couldn't really get, um, the information why all I knew, know was that this was originally titled, you ought to know. And then before it went to production and air, obviously they changed it to end to you like a train, which makes sense because it's a train crash. But I, I do kind of like, just the title you ought to know i feel like also works um with meredith like not knowing for most of the episode like what's happening so i do think that title also works but i just wanted to send you both when i read that it was originally going to be titled something else i was like oh well that's interesting and i think we should consider both songs yeah, so let me let me go ahead and just share what I have uh, on on both of these. So, uh, "Ain't You Like a Train" is actually from the second studio album by uh, the English rock band, the Psychedelic Furs. Uh, the title of the album is "Talk Talk Talk." So that was released June 6, nineteen eighty one, under Columbia Records. Uh, it it never got a ton of super duper traction, but uh, it did end up. Um, getting a 9 out of 10 rating from Spin Alternative Record Guide, as well as an A score of The Village Choice. But nothing nothing charting uh, from that album. They may have had a couple of charting songs later on, but uh, the entire album length was about 41 minutes and 11 seconds. Now, uh, you ought to know, which yes. <laughs> the first line of the song is literally the entire episode of, of Grey's Anatomy, Um which made way more sense uh, was was released July 6, 1995 by Alanis Morissette. We're going super international because she's Canadian. Uh, this song was uh, actually, it was, it was, uh, let's see, where is this? Hold on my notes. Oh my gosh. Uh, the album itself was, uh, it was a B-side for um, uh, the album Jagged Little Pill. Uh, now a hit Broadway show. Is it really? Yes. There is a Broadway show called Jagged Little Pill, and it is a jukebox musical with all of Atlanta Morissette songs. Oh, I would literally never have known that. See, <laughs> look at you bringing, bringing value to everything that you do, Kelsey. Oh, thank you so much. 
Uh, it made it as t- uh, as high as uh, top 40 in the Belgium, Iceland, Netherlands, New Zealand, Sweden, and the United Kingdom charts. Uh, and actually made it into uh, the top 10 in Canada, Australia, and the United States. So uh, it had gotten a lot of uh, uh, acclaim in a number of different countries. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it features actually, fun fact, the bassist Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, you didn't know that. that. Yeah. The more you know. Anyways, Kelsey, back to you, friend. Okay, so this is the sixth episode of the second season, but was originally going to be the season two premiere, because last week, as previously discussed, was originally going to be the season one finale. Now, as someone who has seen all of the season premieres, I think this definitely has, like, it just feels like a very classic Grey's Grey's Anatomy season premiere. Like, there's a lot going on, big stuff, big drama, um, lots of feels and I, I now knowing that I was like, oh, that's, that definitely tracks. Like that definitely makes sense in my opinion from the future times. Uh, this was written by, from Chris- the before four. Yes. <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> written by Christopher Vernoff, who again is now the showrunner and is like very in the Shondaland circle. Um, she was actually nominated for an Emmy for best writing for a drama for this episode. And it was directed by Jeff Melman, who has directed Grey's, Private Practice, Desperate Housewives, and also an episode of Scrubs, which I included because I had to do that for you. But there which, which episode? Do you I know don't stop remember. your head? No. Okay. But um <laughs> he's directed a lot. He has like lots of he had like a Fresh Prince of Bel Air, a bunch of Frasier, like his directing. Oh, this guy's got range. He's, yeah, he's been directing for a very long time. He has a very long resume. Um so he's been doing a lot of TV shows. So he does a yeah, couple more episodes of Grey's. Surprising range for a Melman, you know? <laughs> Melman is also the name of the giraffe in Madagascar, and that's all I could think about, which is voiced by um, David Schwimmer. So it's like, it's, I know, I'm just like, I can't. Um, so this aired October 30th, 2005. Crazy. Uh, 16.67 million views. So down a bit from the previous episode. Um, is that the also, lowest that we've seen so far? I think it might be, because I think the f- the premiere was around 16 as well. So it kind of seems like it's going down a little bit, but obviously that's still a lot of people. But yeah, it's y'all are sleeping on this. I know. <laughs> like, I wonder if everyone just went back and watched it at later. Like when people at work the next day were like, uh, "Yeah, you definitely need to go back and watch that episode." <laughs> like shit went down, yo. Um. So the Netflix synopsis is. A train crash brings several seriously injured patients to the hospital, providing a distraction for Meredith as she awaits Derek's final decision. I would Mm. not say it provided much of a distraction as she was still pretty invested in figuring out what happened the whole time. (laughs) Like every second of the entire episode, everywhere, always. Uh, So I did pull a couple of quotes about the critics' reviews of this episode. So... The AV Club is a, they talk a lot about television and they do a lot of TV reviews and they've been doing it for many, many years. Um, And in 2009, they released an article that had the best episodes of television 
of the decade for 2000 to 2010. And this was on the list. And then later in a separate article in 2013, they said this was the best single episode the show has ever produced. Now, obviously, that was 2013. And many, many things have happened since then. So I don't know if they would still say that. But in 2013, that is what they said. So. Sorry, I was eating cookies and drinking milk <laughs> while you were listening to that. Uh, that's okay. So here's, here's my thought on that. Even if it was something that had changed, to ever have gotten uh, into that top 10 or whatever by any yeah, of the, the rankings, decade, yeah. still pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, and the and other then, nine episodes were just scrubs, right? Sure. And then uh, 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 a TV reviewing website in London called Indie London wrote, what makes Into You Like a Train such a compelling episode is the way it manipulates your emotions. You'll laugh, cry, and feel like screaming at the TV. There's no denying the brilliance of the episode. It's provocative viewing that forces you to have an opinion whilst becoming emotionally involved with its characters. You'll love and hate it in equal measure, and that can only be a good thing. So, And then one of the other reviews, I don't know why I didn't copy and paste it, was saying that um, basically it took things that other medical dramas would do like really melodramatic and made them just like, it just made it more believable and like made you more relate to the characters and like how maybe what you would be doing in that scenario instead of just making everyone be like dun 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 at every turn so that's what some of the things that people said about it i would agree with that though i without without before before we jump into everything i did feel a full range of emotions in this yeah you really do i didn't find myself laughing a lot but i did find myself going hmm that's cute a couple chuckles. Hmm. Yeah, a couple chuckles. couple chuckle. Um, <laughs> that's kind of fun to say. couple chuckle. Uh, <laughs> I got to stop. I'll just say it. That'll be the entire podcast. <laughs> a is me saying that over and over. Yeah. Um, McSteeny chuckle. Uh, anyways, so why don't you kick us off? I love that. Those were, those were great quotes. Let's talk about the... Let's talk to the people about why this episode had so many emotions. Yes. The people being us. <laughs> yeah yeah we, we are the people um so okay yeah we'll get into it so we start with the recap as per always recap alex and izzy their shenanigans the bullshit uh we're, we're, we are reminded that george was the hero in the elevator we are reminded that meredith did pick me choose me love me bailey is married christina and burke are together and derek did not show up at the bar those were the major takeaways from the recap. So at this point, again, this was meant to be a cliffhanger. So for the summer season, you would have been wondering, oh, did he pick Meredith or did he pick Addison? And you probably would have thought he picked Meredith because it's Grey's Anatomy and she's the main character. And you would be wrong because he did not. Correct. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. She's my wife. What an explanation. Yeah. Honestly. Okay. Jumping ahead. Yeah, let's I just jump. It. Let's just jump. I didn't. I, I, I after after you, if you if we didn't see Bailey and Bailey wasn't uh, married for ten years and then we didn't have that dialogue, I would have said he picks Meredith. But I yeah. knew it's I knew it's going to be Addison. It makes sense. But I also knew that he was going to come to the uh, to the to Joe's. I knew he was going to come to the bar. 
and I knew as soon as the page went off, I said he's going to come there and he's going to get there right as everyone leaves. He's yeah. going to everyone's going to be gone. And he's going to get there. So that was part number one that I said predictable. That's predictable. Also, he has to pick Addison because it's a television drama, and if he picks Meredith, the conflict is gone. So <laughs> he has to pick Addison so that something can happen for the next you know eighteen seasons. This is all it is. This is it yeah. for 18 seasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just <laughs> Addison versus Three of Meredith. Them for 18 seasons. <laughs> wow. This show's getting good. <laughs> How they many hit their stride early it? on, huh? Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, we're in the bar. Derek has not shown up. Meredith is trashed. Christina, George, Izzy are watching. They they're like what are we, how long are we supposed to stay? This is pathetic. And then Meredith is like, "You're pathetic. I'm not pathetic. You're pathetic." And then uh, she's just super drunk. And Joe is like, no, he's going to come. Everything's great. You should stay and wait. And then they see the train wreck on the news. Everyone's pagers going off. Everyone's leaving because they're like, this is bad news bears. And then Joe's like, no, you're drunk. You cannot practice medicine. And she's like, it's fine. I'm good. Uh, What I love about this is actually because you said how she felt about the pick me, choose me, love me line. I, I love that she probably actually got to mean what she was saying to Joe because she's like, that's just horrific. It's yeah. literally, what does she say? It's Carrie at the prom with the pig's blood horrifying. Yeah. That is hilariously on point and what I imagine she probably would have said in a real interview following that scene. I feel like it was almost the writers throwing her a bone, being like, yeah, we made yeah. you say it, but now we'll let you say this. So it's okay. I hope so. That's the way I envision that. Is they're like, okay, look, we're not getting rid of this line, but you can tell the world how you feel later. You can do it. (laughs) And it's going to be canon. Um, So the ER is crazy. And then it cuts back to Joe's and Derek walks in and Joe's like, bro, why you take so long to get here? You're too late. Why are you so late? I fucking knew it. And that whole bar cleared out. Every single one of them worked at the hospital. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's right across the way, so. Um, they all head back over, and uh, it's it's bonkers there. We got ambulances rolling in. Everyone's coming in hot with carnage, carnage, carnage. Lots of bad news. Um, Bailey shows back up in her dress, in her heels. Sends Alex to go get her shoes. Sends Meredith away to not be in the way. <laughs> I may be intoxicated. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing was, I didn't understand that idea. Like maybe send her to a break room because if I was in the middle of a traumatizing situation like that and I see just one, one doctor just standing off to the side, kind of like, I'm like, can, can she do something? Just send her away. And this is before she gets the IV. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have now gotten to a point where if I am in a scenario in a hospital setting and there is a doctor that's not doing something, my assumption is that person must be an intern. I don't want them to do anything. (laughs) That's always my assumption now. (laughs) I'm like, they're just learning. They're supposed to be watching. It's their job. Because they also have, I believe, in some medical schools with days where you go shadow doctors. So you wouldn't want a medical student slicing up on you either. Did I I ever tell you that... that... Did Jessica and I ever tell you that when we delivered Marlo, that there was actually a med student shadowing the nurses? I think you had coming around. I don't think on the podcast though. 
Okay. Well, it's neither here nor there. But basically, there was a, a doctor who was very uncomfortable with pediatrics uh, and newborn uh, situation. He's like, yeah, this is not my specialty. I'm, an, I'm a med student. We're like, okay, cool. Bye. You don't have to say that. You know, it's like, just keep it to yourself. You could have said anything else. Anything yeah, you else. could have been, congratulations, so happy for you. Good luck. Everything's great. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so Izzy goes with Addison, who has a pregnant patient who got burned really badly in the accident. Uh, Christina, Derek shows up at the bar, and George goes, does that mean that he picked her? And <laughs> Christina goes... If it does, that means I just lost 50 bucks, implying that she <laughs> bet someone $50 that Derek would stay with Addison, which is correct, but not very supportive as a friend. No, no. It's, a you know, have you ever betted on the length of time someone was going to stay in a relationship? Um, Maybe. And unfortunately, I am constantly wrong about it. Yeah, but, you know, it's. Oh, <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> it's it's good. It's Everything's wonderful. fine. Uh, uh, anyway, Jessica and I have ongoing <laughs> bets about when you guys will get divorced. <laughs> oh, kidding. that's what we're talking about. Yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's you now guys and I then know. me and Michael. Obviously. Then you're constantly wrong. You bet against you and Michael. Yeah, all the time. I'm like losing money because I'm like, surely we'll be divorced. <laughs> Uh, it's times like these that I wish we actually had the video set up because, guys, there's just so many facial expressions happening right now. It's beautiful. Anyways, it's okay. Great. Also, I do want to I want to call out. So Bailey scrubs in and she throws something over her dress, and then she changes into Crocs later on, which I find hilarious. Yeah, man, she can't be wa- operating those heels. Most of no, them. I, w- I respect it. Wear Crocs like throughout this entire series because like, that's a very like I feel like common. For nurses specifically, maybe doctors, but I've definitely known a lot of nurses who wear them because they're like comfortable but safe and also super easy to wash. So if you get gross things on them, it's just in the dishwasher, right? Um, I don't know, maybe. I think you can put them in the dishwasher, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, that's my least favorite part about the show is the Crocs. They're garbage shoes for garbage people. <laughs> they're not garbage shoes. They're comfortable, but they are ugly as poo. ugliest that's the problem is like just take the comfort and make them look like anything else like we don't why do they look that way if they came out with a pair of croc heels would you wear them no i don't wear crocs (laughs) all right moving on (laughs) Uh, anyways um so the chief shows up and he's yelling at Derek. He's like, clear me or you're fired. And so Derek's trying to be like, okay, well, I'm going to go with you to make sure you're okay. Or you can fire me, either one. <laughs> and so he, like, walks by Meredith and does the nod. And that's when they're like, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. And George has the line where he goes, am I invisible? Which was improvised by T.R. Knight. <laughs> I, I like that. Because yes, George, yes, you are invisible. And also, a fucking leg appears. Just a leg. Oh, yeah. Coming in, I have the leg. Oh, gosh. So how many times did someone say that this episode? More than once. <laughs> too, too many times. Um, also, so let's let's jump ahead for a second, too. Because this reminds me of the scene where, they're, where uh, Christina's talking to the paramedic. Yeah. And they're like, 
you know how many decapitations we saw? The guy could live without a leg. And I'm like, ugh. Oof. Hmm. I, mean, I don't like that. I mean, it's not untrue, but like we can still make an effort to find the leg. Right. Because if he can have the leg, that's better than not having it. Which Yeah, we can't give those yes, people their heads back. Yes, not having a leg is better than being dead. However, having both legs is the the best outcome possible. And so if they can make it happen, why not make it happen? That's the whole point. Yeah. So uh, anyways, I digress. Um, That's that was just uh, too many decapitations in this episode. So then the impaled people roll in. Bonnie and Tom. They roll on in. They have a giant pole through the middle of them. It's not good. Pretty obviously not good. I'm not a doctor, but I could tell you to not look at it. It's not good. I want to know what they were doing immediately before the crash. Well, I want to were... say it's more like they were not buckled in and they were probably thrown from their seats. And then whatever that was, was thrown into them. You don't buckle in on a train, though. I don't think trains have buckles. I don't think so either. Well... I feel like the one we went on had one. I don't think we used it, but I think they had it. (laughs) But Mm. I could be wrong, honestly. There's like a good chance that I'm incorrect. Well, I guess if I'm thinking if this is like a Metra train, they have seats that face each other. So I guess they could have just been at the same seat point. Yeah. And the the thing went through. But they were very close. So that means that (laughs) whoever it impaled first... It, yes, dr- it, like, it drug them to the other. Yes, for sure. <laughs> like a little human hamburger sandwich. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, no one really knows what to do. They're all just like, well, shit, this is bad. What do we do? Um, Alex, <laughs> sorry. Bailey tells Alex he has to go to the ER until he can overcome his newfound fear of scalpel- scalpels, which is hilarious. And then Meredith goes, that was mean even for you, which is also hilarious. Uh, and that's when she tells Meredith to go IV herself to get her sober faster. Yeah, the the newfound fear of scalpels line. I was like, dang, like, Savage. Bailey, I I know you're cold and I know that you're a boss. But like ugh, that man talk about kicking a guy while he's down. Yeah, that's uh, it's a bit much. Also, so I want to call out the scene where so Meredith is actually looking at Bonnie and Tom. And they're like, yes. is this the craziest thing you've ever seen? And she's like, yeah. And she's <laughs> very like, close to them. She's yeah, like so very close. close to them. I'm <laughs> like, they can smell the tequila. Oh, yeah. And then the, the scene where uh, Bonnie's like, hey, can I get a mint? It's it's for me. It's yeah. for me. But can I get a mint? Uh, because, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, I should. Uh, can, I get one? can I get one of those mints, too? Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's not a good time. Um. The pole people, we find out they don't, they weren't traveling together. They don't know each other. George takes them down to get the scans. And like, as soon as everyone sees them, they're like, oh, you, you can go first. You're, this is clearly a dire situation. So he like cuts the line. Not Um, asking though. Yeah. (laughs) And he gets to go through so they can get the, the results faster. And then we go see Izzy, um, who is just leering at Addison, like just glaring, not subtle, just standing there over this patient, glaring at, like to the point where Addison goes, do you need something? Can I help you in any way? Like this is, can you get it together? 
So they're talking about Addison's patient is pregnant. She's having contractions, but she's obviously been through a trauma. So they don't want her to do um, uh, labor because they think it like could hurt her or the baby. So they're going to have to do a C-section just for the safety and just to be in control of everything. And she asks for a lawyer just so that she can make sure that she has everything squared away before um, she goes into the C-section just in case. Um, so then when she said, by the way, that there was no father, I did not see that the, the, the plot twist that they're just the best friends. Yeah. That was that incredible. That was super dope. Like I love love that. that, but I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. I love that a lot. Um, so then we go back to the ER and Alec, Alex is checking one of the people who came in from the crash. She has like a really bad bruise and a couple, think she's like getting stitches her phone is like going off she's all on the phone she's a bit much um she then she says something and then says i said no offense which is my favorite thing that people do when they say no offense and then say something super offensive and then they're like well i said no offense so you can't get mad yeah i I think it was when she said that uh she looks he looks old enough to be her son or his son's friend yeah. Uh, but this is also after she's just yelling around, this redneck drove on the tracks, blah, blah, yes. blah, 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 redneck this, redneck that. And I'm like, yeah, and girl. she says, um, oh, her phone, her ringtone is like, it's very annoying. And also has been stuck in my head since I watched the episode. So <laughs> very <Nice>. annoying. <laughs> um, So then <laughs> Izzy is down in the ER and she hears Meredith behind a curtain going, Ow, ow, ow. Because <laughs> she can't put in her own IV because she's trashed. So Izzy does it for her. Um, Meredith is trying to find out if Izzy knows um, if Addison and Derek are back together or not. And <laughs> Izzy's like, well, you know, we're just kind of focusing on the patient. And Meredith says something along the lines of, I know it's people are hurt and dying and it's really bad. And I know that when I'm drunk, I'm a vapid narcissist. I'm like, good, good to know. It's good to have even, self-awareness. Even when you're not drunk, though, too. A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. <laughs> um, and then Izzy says, Izzy's kind of trying to have Meredith back still. She says, uh, for what it's worth, I take issue with her salmon-colored scrubs. What self-respecting surgeon wears salmon color? Like, what? let her wear salmon color scrubs. Who cares? She delivers babies for a living. Who cares? I I think that that <laughs> was the funniest line from the show. And I actually had to watch that like two or three lo- times because I was like, you know what, Izzy, you're the hype woman that we all need. We, we, we all need an Izzy in this moment. Not going like- to... Not gonna- like take a shot at Addison's character. Yeah. Nothing that she's done. Yo, her fashion is trash. It's I like could use that every once in a while. It's so petty. But Meredith is like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck your salmon plat your your salmon scrubs, bitch. I wish you would have said that in the show, but I think they would have got a different rating. Yeah, I don't know that they would have been allowed to say that in the show, so maybe next time. Um And then Derek and Weber are operating on the leg guy. Derek's pager's going crazy because, you know, there's a train wreck and um, people need him because he's the only neurosurgeon on call, apparently. And then Christina is cleaning the wound and she realizes that it's 
the it's not the correct leg. It is an, another left leg, and this man has lost his right leg. So she's like, "Oh no," because she she is very much one wants to please the chief um, and people with authority. But so she's like trying to be like, "It's not the right leg," and he's getting so mad, so <laughs> mad. This whole speech, he fucked up. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, and then she runs off to try and find it. And then um, the scans are back for the poll. Um, and it's not good. Derek walks in and is like surprised these people are even alive. Um, because Bonnie's is going directly through her spine. Tom's has impaled many of his internal organs. So the fact that they're sitting up unconscious is just a testament to like what happens when your body goes into shock and the amount of like adrenaline that your body just throws at you to keep you like in survival mode, essentially. So that's fun. So they're trying to kind of figure out a plan. Basically, the only option is they have to take one person off and then cut the pole and get to the other person. So whoever they remove is like 98% for sure going to die. And so then they have to basically figure out, well, who do we save? So Burke says, well, Tom's injuries are less serious, so it's easier to save. And then Derek says, well, you could argue then that Bonnie's injuries are more serious, so she needs all of our attention. So they're just basically going to do more tests and then make a final decision after they get they get more information. I will, so. I will also say to that, I really... So the writing, the writing for the characters for both Shepard and Burke on this, I love mm. because this, I think, is pretty on. Uh, it's it's on par with being a doctor, right? But mm. it, I think it also this episode does a good job of saying like, hey, yes, we're doctors, but we've been humans longer than we've been doctors, right? And the scene later where, uh. And I know I'm jumping ahead, but the scene where they they make their decision and and he's actually doing the evaluation piece and he sees that Tom's feet are moving, but Bonnie's aren't. And he he still tells. tells, Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like I, I like Derek and I like his like him as a character. And I also like Burke as a character. But I think this just solidifies again that they're people. Yeah, they're not just sure. doctors. Yeah, they can definitely see these people as patients, and especially this episode, you see how much um, it affects Derek. Obviously, like we're meant to believe that it does also have to do with like what he's going through personally, but like sometimes there are just patients that are gonna affect you more, live or die. Um, and we we see that for the first time this time for Derek, and it is like a very um, moving connection so it's a and that's like what's interesting about it is because this episode just goes from being like so much is happening and like everything's go 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 and all this stuff is happening and it's just crazy 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 and then it just like almost stops for the severity and like the reality of this very young like 20 something girl who was just on a train ride is now gonna die and she dies knowing she's gonna die and so I think yeah. that's what make one of the things that makes this episode so wonderful is like it's just such a fast shift. And you that's I think is really what you don't see coming is like how it just goes from like insanity to just like this is it. This is just how life goes. 
And I think that to me is one of the things that makes it arguably like one of the, the really good episodes. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because it's actually something that I didn't like now that I'm look, looking at it and I'm listening to you talk. Yes. I recognize that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize, I felt the emotion of that. I didn't recognize it though in the moment. The other thing that I would add on to that is everything that happens in this train wreck and the train wreck being a metaphor for so many things, right, right. in itself. But each each person has a a victory and I think a loss in this episode. Yeah. Of some sort. Like Alex, for instance, obviously ends up having a victory in the end, but he has a series of losses before that. Right. Meredith has seemingly this victory and then ends up with a loss. Christina yeah. has this victory and ends up with a loss. It's uh, George, right? Everyone has these kind yeah. of things and it's a metaphor for their life. I just, I could talk. I, I do love the writing. I'm kind of, I'm kind of gushing about the writing right now, but um, yeah, I love that pacing point that you bring up. I think that's a really good uh, thing that you've identified there. Thank you for that. Also, I think it's interesting because you do the way this show has set up. They do kind of, I mean, obviously, this is 15 episodes in, so it's not like, you know, now where there's 400 episodes in and you could maybe see something like this coming more. But they set up, they, there's not lost this way previously. Like, yes, people have died, like patients have died, but it's not something where you get like so attached and so invested in it other than Bailey's like super young guy. I don't really think that we've had a patient who's like right in their like twenties, like just living their life. And even with Bailey's guy, he had um, a long-term constant chronic illness. So she was literally completely healthy, engaged, just living her life. And then it just like ends. And that's a reality that exists for people. That is like literally what life is. That's why people say life is short because things like that happen and you just don't see it coming. And I also love, now we're just jumping around, but it's fine. I also love when they're telling Tom and Bonnie that this is going to have to happen. The way that Tom is like, no, I, you should save her. Like I'm old. I've lived my life. Like save her. That's like, she deserves a chance to live. And, and he's like, it's not fair. And she says, it's not fair either way, which is just like, it's true. It's just not fair either way. And I like that moment. And I, it's just crazy to watch this character accept this thing that's happened or is happening well, as it's even happening. mere moment. Was it, is it the same scene like moments before where she's like, listen, like doctor, just tell me. Yeah. She's like, like I didn't think I was going to be walking out of here anyway, like anytime soon. So just tell us what's happening. Yeah. But man. And then, and then when, when she dies on the table, that's an, like yes. all of it is just so yes. emotional. I love the line they give George after they decide basically that they ha- they're going to save Tom and not Bonnie. And George is like, she's sitting up and she's cracking jokes. How do you tell someone who's cracking jokes that she's going to be dead in an hour? And that is kind of like your first like hit to the face where you're like, Oh shit, this is so real. And this is so harsh. And it, I like that they give him that line to kind of in introduce like what's about to happen. Cause it's, it's true. Like, you know, a lot of times you expect if you hear a train wreck, you know, and someone comes in and they die, you think they're going to come in unconscious or they're going to come in, you know, and they're like not really in aware. And so she, the fact that they just like she's fully aware, she totally knows like they have to tell her what's hap- what's going to happen. Like you have yeah. to as a doctor tell this person like, I'm so sorry, 
you're alive right now and you're not going to be in a minute. And it's because we're going to save this person that you just spent the last multiple hours with right in front of you getting to know. Right. And going through this traumatic experience with. And also, by by the way, your your fiance or your boyfriend who is on their way, you're not going to get to say goodbye. Yeah. Which that was another thing that I found like interesting that they wrote it this way where she's like, it's good that he's not going to see me like this, which I that thought process I do understand of like not seeing her in that state, but not getting the chance to like say goodbye on your own terms is like, it's heavy. Yeah. It's, it is, it is very weird because they've had, they've had varying degrees of rationale, emotional Mm -hmm. uh, intelligence, and even maturity through their, their patience. Right. And, I kind of think of this. I I think of this person's arc very similarly to the guy who had to uh, give some of his liver to his dad. Like, right. yeah. Y- you look. You looked at everything. You were rational. Like you were at peace with your decision. Whatever happens, happens. In this case, she just doesn't get to live with the choice that's being made here. Yeah. What isn't? I was gonna say emotional maturity. Like the emotional maturity they write for this twenty-something is like so far beyond what you would expect from someone of that age. And it's just, but at the same time, it's like, makes sense. Cause I feel like if you're in that situation, you're going to go one of two ways. Like, I mean, what else can you do other than accept it? You can like scream and cry and, and yell at everyone and go out that way. Or you can just come to terms with it. Cause I mean, what else could you do? I truly don't know what I would do. Like it's, it's crazy to think about, um, you know, and I hope to never have to find out, but like I just I I love that they make it someone so young and I love the emotional maturity that they give to this woman, which is like beyond the doctors who are basically doing this in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't know if this was part of the writing either, but to think that it was not just a young a young person, but it was a young woman who yeah. was also a, a young blonde woman. Uh yeah. I don't know if that was done intentional by them, but I think that it's a it's a good juxtaposition from the while very intelligent, the emotional maturity of the the current blonde young women on the show is not that of which Bonnie has. Right, yeah. And, you know, of course, they have to give her, like, a fiancé, so it's, like, just gets you even more. Like, it's just so sad. Um, yeah. So, I don't even know where we... Okay, so there we were. Um, Meredith is trying to prove to Bailey that she's not drunk anymore, but Bailey's like, no, you have to have a blood alcohol test, which is fair. It's surgery. It's people's lives. I think that's a fair call. You can't just touch your nose and convince her you're fine. <laughs> um, Christina is still looking for the leg. That's when we have the conversation with the paramedic who's given some sass. Um, Alex has the other pregnant lady in the ER, right? We meet her and he is like kind of examining her, mostly making sure she's fine. And she's like, I have to find my friend. And Alex is like, um don't and she does and he goes with her um and then george is drawing meredith's blood uh he's trying to you know be like oh do you know yet because i'm in love with you still which is annoying (laughs) i'm like if you could just let this go i would probably stop being annoyed with you but like if you you're just i can't also it makes me annoyed with meredith because it's just so obvious that he has feelings for her and i'm sorry like 
man or woman, when someone acts like that around you that consistently, you know. And I hate, it's a very like overdone TV trope where everyone else knows that this person has feelings for person A has feelings for person B and person B has no idea, but everyone else knows. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but I've been in that situation and it's obvious. Yes, I lied and said I didn't know about it because it's awkward and I didn't want to deal with, you know, feelings, but like every, you know, like you just know. And so it's annoying to me that Meredith doesn't know, which makes me then even more annoyed with George. (laughs) The part that makes me more annoyed with, uh, uh, gosh, the part that makes me more annoyed with George is that they spent the whole first two minutes of the episode telling Meredith that she's pathetic. Yeah. And George has been doing this for two seasons. Yeah. Since episode one, he's like, oh, I love you. You're cute. I I talked to you for five seconds. So now I love you. Yeah. Uh, Stupid. That's times like that, that I was like, why the fuck do we like George? No one likes George except for the people who like George. I know people who like George. Yeah. I know a lot of people who like George, but I also know a lot of people who hate him. So I think it's, he's very divisive. Um, so Christina, Oh, sorry. No, wait. Oh, yeah. Addison. So um, Addison gets really mad that Alex is walking around with the pregnant lady. And then he she like yells at him and he leaves. And Izzy kind of stands up for him. She's like, what was he supposed to do? Tackle her? She's a pregnant lady. Like, what do you want him to do? And it's Addison's true. Like, what, okay. what, what, she needed, what, what could he do? Yeah, correct. I don't um, know the and, procedures of that. Yeah. Maybe don't like physically grab a pregnant person and try and put them back in a bed. So I think what he did was correct as much as it could be. Uh, Derek, this is when we go see Derek, they're doing the, like the feet thing and trying to assess the situation and just get more definitive information on what's happening. Uh, Christina finds another leg. It's a woman's leg. It is (laughs) so incorrect as again. Well, even just before that, so she's running around just, have you seen a right leg? Oh, yeah. And Meredith goes, how weird is this job? (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine. What would the equivalent of that be like when from our time at Disney? What would the equivalent of that be? Has anyone seen a child? (laughs) Which I asked multiple times. I had to deal with that more than once, so I guess. But that's not nearly as weird. No, not nearly, but still kind of traumatizing for, you know, hey, have you seen yes. a kid? Just a kid. Uh, no? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, we found them all every time, so no worries. Um, and then, do, 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 where? Uh, this is the scene where he's doing the test on, on her leg. Yes. Okay, so then they figure out Bonnie isn't going to survive. Like there's essentially a 0.1% chance that she could survive. So they're going to pull her off. They're going to see if there's anything they can do. And then they're going to go to Tom if they can't, which is obviously ultimately what happens. Um, which for- I missed. I missed the first time I actually went back and rewatched this scene. I yeah. didn't catch the first time. They're like, yeah, it's cause, cause I, I forgot about it until I was what we were actually, you watched that scene later on. Cause I was like, man, they really shifted very quickly. Uh, The first sign of any distress at all, they were just right onto Tom. Well, also, so I read um, that when they move Bonnie off of the pole, that they had shot, like, they pull away and basically there's just, like, so much blood to imply that, like, how much she has actually been bleeding that, like, hasn't been visible. And it was so much blood that ABC was like, we can't put this on television. 
So I do think we kind of lose a little bit there. Where did you read that? Was that in that new um, book you got? It was not in my book, but it, I because I knew that this one had been said so so well acclaimed, I did read a couple more articles about it just to try and get more. But there's just also every single episode of Grey's Anatomy doesn't have multiple articles. Most of them just have like a Wikipedia page or like one fan page or whatever. But this had a couple different sources that I could find. So I was just reading most of the ones that came up when I searched it um, just because there was more available. So that was one of the things that I found. In that Is this a deleted scene that lives somewhere? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it was filmed. <laughs> the ABC was the one that was like, yeah, we can't put this on television. So it exists somewhere, or at least it did at some point. Um, I also, this is when Burke says that they're not going to, like, they're going to close the gallery for this surgery because it's, it's, they know someone's going to die. Like, there's not, they don't want an audience for what's about to happen because there's not anything to be learned from that in a lot of ways. I mean, in a lot of ways there are, there is like, sometimes you just can't do anything, but at the same time, it's like, she doesn't need an audience. You know, she doesn't need to look up at even more strangers staring at her in the final moments of her life. So I liked the choice to close the gallery. Yeah. Another, story. another human kind of focused yeah, thought much. process, which is yeah. a lot of a respectful call for sure. Yeah. Um, then back to the ER, Alex's patient's friend is still annoying. So that's fun. <laughs> um, then, <laughs> We get a brief comedic scene where Christina pages Burke and she's like, please help me because the chief is going to kick me out if I don't find this leg. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And she goes, well, you're not doing surgery, so I want you to help me. And she goes, if I get kicked out of this program, I'm going to have to move back to L.A. And it's too sunny in L.A. It's sunny every day, Burke. Yeah, that's a good scene because also it shows <laughs> she's like i don't know what boyfriends do yeah do they help well, me find legs from yeah, a de- like a, she, an injured person regardless of who who she's asking she does not ask for help like ever it's already so obviously part of her character to try and do everything on her own and not ask for help so it's like a huge deal that she's asking him for help at all and she's like aren't you supposed to help me like isn't that a boyfriend thing to do and he says when we're on duty i'm not your boyfriend and she just goes oh so when we're on duty i can have sex with someone else and i love it so much and then he just goes i'm walking away now and it's so good she says that very loud too you see the person in the back of that scene going uh, it's incredible (laughs) i love their relationship i love her she's just so quick-witted even in like very high stress situations it's so freaking funny to me and and just before that because i want to highlight so there's still just legs that are popping up right yeah and a lot of decapitation Right, right. A, a disembodiment. Lot, yes, disembodiment. Uh, severed limbs uh, abound. Left and right. Uh, how long can a severed limb at this point be good for? Because it's hours. It can't be. That can't be a good limb anymore, right? Well, so the first one that comes in, and then the other ones that come in are wrapped up. So my thought process is maybe when the paramedics get to the scene, they're immediately like wrapping these limbs, and they can also assess what are clean cuts and could potentially be reattached. Like if that something has sense. been mangled and sense. run over, it's obviously useless. But if something has like a really clean cut, then they're probably going to be like, okay, we can prioritize and like just send this back and let the hospital deal with like the, the actual like reassembly. That would be my assumption. 
that's a good assumption. I I like it, and I think we're going to stick with that. Okay, cool. Um, so then we get Alex talking to uh, Meredith, and again, Meredith's trying to get people to shit talk Addison to make her feel better, and he's like, "I mean, whatever. She's just doing her job." And then he goes, "Fine, she's Satan whore, Satan's whore." It's so good. It's such a good line. It's Which, so funny. Apparently, also, originally the line was, she's Satan's bitch. And in, when they did the table read, um, Justin Chambers, who plays Alex, said, I think that's too generic. Like, I don't think he would say Satan's bitch. Like, he would say Satan, but I think he would say something else. Like, Satan's bitch is just too generic. So then they came up with Satan's whore. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also in that same scene where Meredith is like, yeah, dude, you just lost your mojo. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's like, why didn't you kiss Izzy? Why why didn't you do the surgery? Like, where? I hope you find your mojo. I find you disturbing without it, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder, so also, can you shout out that book that you were reading, by the way? Um, yes, let me pull it up so I can make sure that I have the author correct. While you're pulling that up, I just, I, I wonder, and this would be something that I would like to maybe do a little bit more research on moving forward, is how much of, of these episodes, what percentage breakdown is scripted versus, versus the improv, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not like it's, a, like, I feel like it's easier when it's comedy, to, to improv mm-hmm. and get some right. good lines. But this was a serious line that, you know, he read it, disagreed, and they, they redid it. Right. But I'd be curious what the breakdown on that is. Um, so this book that I got for Christmas is called How to Save a Life, The Inside Story of Grey's Anatomy. It's written by Lynette Rice. Um, when I was reading, I've, I've only read, like, very little of it. Um, but the intro, she talks about, she basically reached out to anyone who's ever been, like, a regular on the show, but also some people who have been important characters either one episode or reoccurring episodes um and she interviews them or um she says shonda rhymes has well she says there's shonda rhymes has a very she's obviously very powerful in hollywood like she's so successful she's very very creative she's very talented and it was something along the lines of shonda rhymes desire for privacy either real or perceived like has impacted a lot of people so a lot of people didn't like uh, turn down the opportunity to do the interview because they didn't want to disrespect Shonda Rhimes which I totally understand um so a lot of the stuff that they have just she's like information pulled from previous interviews she used to write for um E magazine And so a lot of stuff that she has in the book came from other interviews that she or her other colleagues have done with these actors or producers. So it's either people who directly talk to her specifically for this book or other interviews um, that have occurred about the show. Very interesting stuff. Yes, I'm very excited to get into it and get the scoops. And Shonda, we respect your privacy, but when you're ready to come on Grey's Academy, we welcome you with open arms. We are arms. ready to have you. Um, so good. So then we get the scene where Derek and Burke are gonna are explaining to Bonnie and Tom what has to happen, and that's the argument tom says no it should be the other way it's not fair and bonnie says it's not fair either way which is correct it it this is where i I wrote it gets very sad very quickly like it just makes such a turn because this literally goes from i hope you find your mojo to well you're gonna die now so 
again, it's just like one of the things to me that makes the episode great is like how it goes, turns on a dime, you know? I had to watch this scene twice because I needed to, I I took notes, but then I also had to go back and rewatch it. And I I explained a lot of my thoughts process earlier in this, this podcast episode here, but the thing that stuck out to me again, it's going back to the thing you said about George, like, we're about to tell someone who's literally cracking jokes that they're about to die. Mm-hmm. They're coherent. The only thing wrong with this person, face value, is there's a metal pole inside of them right. that's going through her spine, completely destroying everything below that point. Yeah. Cognitive function, all there. It's yeah. like if you watched, there was an episode of House where a guy got, I think, hit by a truck and uh, she, like, or maybe it wasn't, house but there was an episode of some show someone got impaled by a truck on a tree the person lived the entire episode all the way until their significant other got there to say goodbye and all they did to kill the person was move the truck away yeah this is the same thing how long could she have gone living with this pole in her and they explained that obviously the longer this goes on the less they can control the, the it could it could end up killing Tom the longer we wait. So they have right. to action it. But it rem- my It's a gosh. little bit reminiscent of when the guy comes in with all the nails in his head and is completely conscious as well. Like it's yeah. a little bit reminiscent of that moment. Which also I does forgot not about end that. Great, so. Um, so then we go, we're back with the pregnant ladies and they're signing the thing and the, the one pregnant lady is like, why are you signing this? Like, you're going to be fine. And then Brooke who's the one that's getting the C-section is like, I just need you to sign it. Cause otherwise this baby's going to go to my mother. Then <laughs> she signs it. And immediately um, that's when we find out they're best friends since third grade. They got the same sperm donor. Their babies are siblings. It's so cool. And I, I love that storyline. And then I love that they also end up having the same birthday. I'm like, are they twins? Are they twins now? What does this mean? It's so cool. I love it so much. So, um, yeah, they're signing the other ladies, other ladies water breaks. So now she's going to have to, to go through labor while the other one goes through her C-section. So then we're back in the ER. The annoying friend is now unconscious. Uh, not a good sign. Uh, goes south real fast. That's another one where you, you don't really see that one coming and it goes south very quickly. She, she's dead. And Alex is like, defensive he's like and truly it's not his fault like it's just not like she was not the patient she was walking around she's been on the phone she's fine um honestly kind of my inference from seeing her would have been had he said let me examine you she would have been like no i agree yeah um at this point right now is where i i wrote a couple of asterisks and i said this is not a good episode for alex again yeah He's not having a good time. He gets defensive. He's like, I didn't know she wasn't the patient. And no one's saying it's his fault, but he clearly feels at fault because he's been near her because he's been treating her friend. Um, and so then he goes outside and pouts. And then Izzy says she's going to stay with the laboring mom and be like a support for her because originally their plan was to be there for each other during the births. And so obviously that's not what's happening. So Izzy's like, it's okay. I'll stay with the laboring mom. I don't mind to miss out on the surgery because again, Izzy gets very invested very quickly and will forgo her own 
career and education to make someone feel happy, which is kind, but not always the greatest career move. Kind, but not smart. Always. Yeah. Not always. Sorry, I meant um, to say not always. <laughs> always kind, not smart. Not always. That's what I meant. Um, Alex is yelling. Then the paramedic comes up with the correct leg, so he gets his save the day moment. Christina is not pleased when she finds out about it. No, and the smirk that he gives her this, in the operating room. I love this moment because they're both masked, but you can still completely see the emotions that they're both having. Like, he is like, I am winning this, and she, like, the fury radiating from her eyes is impressive, truthfully. It's, it's also tough because all of the good qualities that you saw in Alex... Yeah. When he interacts with Izzy, etc. It's like, man, this is the same person? Yeah. He's a good actor. Oh, he's great. He's great. Um, okay, so then it's time for the pole surgery. It's intense. It's very sad. Everyone's going through what they have to go through to get ready. But, you know, it's it's just heavy because you know what's about to happen. Bonnie asks Derek if he's going to be the one to tell her fiance Danny, and he says yes. And she gets, she get like whispers him a message for her that we don't hear yet. Um, then he goes to scrub in. Meredith essentially kicks George out of the scrub room so that she can talk to Derek. That's when, she, like, she doesn't ask if he signed the paper, and he doesn't say if he did or not. But he's like, "Oh, if you take Advil, it will help with your hangover." And she's like, so you're staying with Addison? And he says, well, she's my wife. Which is correct, but again, is not a good explanation. <laughs> yeah. You could throw her any... I mean, I this is not the time or the place, but I do think you could give her a little more insight into that decision. Personally. Well, right before that, he's like, uh, I went to the bar. And she's like, oh, I heard. Yeah. And then that happens. Yeah. So I feel like he was. He was. I, don't know. I do feel like he had the intention of telling her face to face that he was going to decide to stay with Addison and, and try and work through it. I do feel like initially before everything happened, that was his plan. That is obviously not what transpired. And it's it's a bummer to watch. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of a bummer to watch. So. Yeah. I don't I don't know if my notes are out of order or if this was something we just skipped. So that the scene with Bonnie and Tom where she's like, Do you believe in heaven? Oh yeah, I don't think I had I do think I skipped that. That was uh Cause, before this. Because they go right from the do you believe in heaven? And he's like and, and he's like, Yeah, I do, don't you? And she's like, I want I to. I want to. Oh gosh, gut punch. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's that's heavy. And yeah. then we go right from that to that anesthesiology guy is still there. The guy no, that's who a almost guy. Are that's you sure? Different... Yeah, I am positive. Okay, because they looked very similar. They do. I thought he was the drunk guy who almost killed the was it the little girl? It was the little girl and it's if it is the same actor they have it's a new character because this guy is around for a long time and he has a different name than that than that character in that episode. Okay. Okay. Unless they they re they they put, gave a new name to the same character and just said no that's the that's different person. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so I do want to call out that scene again with with the the heaven thing. Yeah. 
even if you like you're Tom and you don't believe in heaven, you're not going to tell the person. Oh yeah. You're going to say you do in that moment for sure. hundred percent. Yeah. Like you're not a monster, you know, but man, I just, can you imagine even being in this scenario at all? No, it's so like crazy. I don't ever want to have to be either one of those people or any of those doctors. Like that's just so like, it's just so much. I mean, you're just, it's not even ruining someone's life. It's ending someone's life. Not even being dramatic. Like, that's just what it is. And to then they also have to anything. sit idly by and be like, well, I'm, you're going to die so I can live. That's also like, talk about having survivor's guilt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, whew, wow. Can't even, can't even imagine. I, a train wreck alone is a one in a million. And then to survive that initial impact of that, yeah. uh, that beam has to be one in, I don't know, a, t- a trillion? I don't know. Yeah. What's, what are the odds? If you're a mathematician out there, let us know the odds. Yeah. Um, and so what's, again, what I love about this episode is while they're doing the Tom and Bonnie surgery, they're cutting to the two births that are happening, which is just like a very obvious metaphor of life and death, obviously. Um, and it's it it almost makes it like even sadder, though, in a way to me. That's the way that I felt when I was watching it. I was like, oh, it just makes it that much rougher to be like at the same time that someone's life is ending and like her fiance and her family's like their lives are going to be shattered because of this. At the same time, like these two people over here are getting something that they've wanted for years. And it's just like such a parallel and it's just so rough to think about the fact that that's, that is true. That is the regular, like at any given moment, someone is dying And at any given moment, someone is being born. Yeah. Well, it goes back to her initial sentence. The the thing that she said was like, it's not fair either way. Yeah. And also, I think, I don't know if the writing was intentionally doing this because I did get the life death thing. But I almost felt like, why why do they deserve to have their happiness but not Bonnie? Yeah. It's a tough thing to watch as a viewer. Yeah. And it's not that they don't deserve it, but it's that she does. So it's like, why doesn't she get to have what they get to have? Right, exactly. Yeah. When they've gone down their own path and kind of gone, you know, against their own odds to make what they happen want or make they, what they wanted to happen happen. Um, you know, not to say obviously that it's easier. They're just getting what they want, but theirs is working out the way they had hoped and her life is not. And the crazy thing, too, is everyone on that train made the same choice to be on that train. Yeah. And there, That's I mean, the crazy you know, thing. And we, we didn't really address it, but er, way earlier in the episode, the someone asked the paramedic, hey, you're at the scene. How bad is it? And she goes, you're not going to get that many. It's mostly dead people. You know, which is, ugh, oof. Can't even imagine. I don't understand... Because I, I go back to, is it Yvonne that was on the phone the whole time saying yes. that the, the train hit the car? Mm-hmm. Like, trains hit cars with no decent... impact. <laughs> like, to the yeah, train. Right. How the heck? I mean, obviously, it's all writing. But, yeah. like, man, I mean, maybe if it was, like, about. a giant truck and the train tried to break, then maybe it could have derailed the train. Also, it's, like... It's up in the Pacific Northwest. There could be mountains. So if it did derail, it could be like rolling down hills and doing God knows what else. So, um, 
obviously we don't really know the details, but we're just going to believe it because they said it happened. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is when they try and, and see, you know, if maybe what they thought was wrong and they could save Bonnie, they can't. Oh, also, oh, it's so sad earlier. I didn't say this when Derek's like, oh, he's going to put you under. And she goes, oh, so it's not going to hurt. I'm like, that's so sad. Like, did you think they're like, it's just sad. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to pull you right off. Let you bleed out. You're going to watch everything. It's just sad. It is sad. Ugh. It's sad. Because this I mean, is... that's definitely something you wonder. Like, just I feel any any mortal person is like, will it hurt when I die? You know? Yeah. No matter it's... how you die, you wonder, will it hurt? Did it hurt when other people die? Like, you never know. The The rest of the people on the train, it, it hurt. It, uh, yeah. Those people are in pain. They died in pain. But you're going to. I don't know. I mean, if you, if you get decapitated, that's I don't know that there's enough time frame for you to feel pain. I read somewhere that you actually still feel pain for about the next 20 to 30 minutes after getting decapitated. But you don't know that you're feeling pain. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you're alive and conscious and feeling pain for those 20 to 30 minutes I'm as a severed head. I'm about what you read and that it's incorrect. <laughs> well, I read it on Fox News. Okay, well. Fox, FoxMedicineNews.com. Um, okay, let's... Where am I? Oh, so this is when Meredith has her breakdown. And she just keeps saying, we can't leave her. We can't abandon her. She clearly feels abandoned. She yes. has abandonment issues. She has parental issues. Her parents had a bad relationship. She kn- We know her mother left her father. She has abandonment issues. She doesn't want to abandon Bonnie. Derek has now abandoned her. It's very sad. She is connected to this patient a little bit. And now she... Okay, so basically, Meredith wants to be doing more, but everyone knows there's nothing more to be done. If there was something more to be done, they would be doing it. They did every scan, every test they could do to make this decision before they got to this point, right? So it's everyone else, I think, maybe already had the chance to process and accept this, but because Meredith hasn't been there through all those tests and everything, maybe she doesn't, even though she was, I'm sure she was told beforehand what was going to happen. Um, she is having to process it now. Whereas like George and Burke and Derek and Bailey, like they were going through it together and going through it with the tests and stuff. So I guess that would be why they are processing it better. Also, you know, they weren't just left for someone else. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think she processes it the exact same if, uh, she doesn't just get told immediately right before this, that Derek is staying with Addison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we cut away. The moms and the babies are good. Addison says, have you made up your mind if you're going to hate me or not? Because I'm going to be staying here and I think you would be great in OB and I have a lot to teach you and I would love to be your teacher. So, you know, if you decide to not hate me, let me know and I'll do that. (laughs) Um, which is like a boss thing to say, but also... She's not evil. No, she's not evil. She's a good villain. <laughs> Don't do it. Like Thanos. Okay. <laughs> no, I would, in, in the spirit of the new Boba Fett show, uh, she's a good villain like Boba Fett. Okay. Um, again, we just go back to the the person who's a villain in your story might not be a villain in their own story or in everyone else's story. 
Yeah. So. But it's also, so Izzy, I like that we, we talked about that Izzy doesn't always do the right choice for, like, make the right choice for her career. Mm-hmm. I hope that she makes the right choice here. Yeah. Because the right choice would be to say, look, Meredith, I love you, but also this is a killer opportunity. You can have uh, both. Yes. Um, before we move on, I'm going to take a brief m- break and do Living in Shondaland. Living in Shondaland! It's a quick one. There's not a lot in this episode. Um, Monica Kina, who played Bonnie, uh, was in an episode of Private Practice. Michelle Arthur, who played Brooke, so the pregnant lady who got the C-section. She was in an episode of Station 19, an episode of Private Practice. And Rigo Sanchez, who played Stan, who was one of the paramedics, excuse me, um, has was in several episodes of Station 19. So that was it. Not that many. I kind of thought it would be more just because there's so many people in this episode, but they weren't. I really thought that Bonnie's fiance, Danny, was going to be. I, I looked at him and I recognized, I thought I recognized him. I don't. Yeah, but he's he does. Like not in anything. No, he's for sure a nobody, but he looks similar to someone. Yeah. I think I had a very similar thing. I was like, he's for sure in other stuff. And then I went and I was like, mm, not other stuff that I've seen, I guess. It's going to bug really me. Not really even that much other stuff. He's just—he's got a of, face that looks like yeah. Oh, oh it's all—it's all very obscure crap that he's in. Yeah, and not a lot. Like he hasn't really done anything since two thousand eight. So <laughs> maybe he got paid a really large amount of money by like an error. Like maybe they said we're going to pay you ten thousand dollars for this role, but it's actually ten million dollars, and he just retired, and that was it. He said, "I'm done. I'm good." Maybe. <laughs> Who's to say? No one. Um, Danny, come on the show. Yes. Michael G. Davis, come on over. We'll come on down. Um. Anyways, okay. So, okay. So then we get Derek and Bailey talking to the fiance, which is just more sad things because the thing that Bonnie said was very sad. She said, if love were enough, she'd still be here with you, which is sad. And I think part of the reason that Derek gets sad about it is because I, I think we are to believe that that is how he feels about Meredith. Because I think he does love her back and he does want to be with her, but there's just other others. It's not just about only love. He obviously also loves Addison. That's why he's staying with her. But he just, you know, it's not enough. It's kind of, to me, reminds me again, going back to the scene or the episode with the kid giving his dad the liver where Christina says love has its limits, which obviously no one in this situation is being abusive. It just sometimes like, love isn't enough there are other factors that are happening like sometimes you're married sometimes you were in a train wreck and then you die so it's just a very yeah. sad thing and i think sometimes you're impaled that, by yeah, a giant some, pole something that i think anyone can connect to because everyone's had some kind of situation where there's been other things you know and it's not enough just to be like i do love you and it's true but it's not enough so it's a lot, but it it's is. not. And it's, it's not. Everything. It's a lot, and it's important. It doesn't not to minimize, you know, people's feelings or love or anything like that. But it's uh, it's sad. And then they have the elevator scene, and it is very sad. I don't. The elevator scene. Can I? Yeah. I would say, while it's not the same as the scene where uh, I rewatched it like two or three times, and it's the Derek and the the, the Burke scene with that. Mm-hmm. 
the brain dead patient. So yeah. far, that's still my current single favorite scene. But damn it, Kelsey, this really gave it a run for its money. Yeah, this is a it's it's a good one, and I like it's no dialogue. I love Derek. Like he annoys me. Right? He doesn't yeah. apologize. Yeah. He's narcissistic. He I find him irksome in a lot of ways. He's not a good communicator. He didn't tell Meredith he was married. The, he has flaws. He's a flawed character. But even not loving him that much, this scene really, I'm just like, I just feel for him because he's just going through so much. He did not want Bonnie to die. He did not want to have to tell her fiance that she died. He did not want to leave Meredith. He did not want any of this, but it is his reality. And it's just all kind of crashing down at the same time. And it's, it's a rough one. And I just like what Bailey does in that moment. I mean, it's just like, she gets it. She knows he's going through it and she's not prying. She's not being mean. She's just giving him the moment he needs to, to go through it. I think that's the best part of the scene because there's no, like you have a full scope of Bailey's emotional intelligence and all she does is stop the elevator. And then when they, they start it back up and they just get off the elevator and they just go their separate ways. They don't know words are spoken. I thought there was going to be a hug though. I thought there might've been a hug before the elevator scene stopped. She's not much. She's not a hugger. No, no. I know that, but I thought there might have been. No, I would have done it. I would have given a hug. Well, you're a hugger. You hug everybody. Oh, right. That's the big (laughs) difference. Yeah, totally. That's the main difference. Um, So then we're in the locker room. Basically, everyone knows. Christina finds out about Derek. Everyone now knows. They're exhausted. They've just had possibly one of the most, the biggest traumas that they've yet seen in real life as um, interns. And uh, they, they have to now have their regularly scheduled shift. So... You did gloss over one tiny detail right before that. Well, Derek and Addison leave together, and she links arms with him. <laughs> links arms? Like, some decorum, lady. Come on. Okay, this... arm linking is not bad. No, it's but not, my gosh, not this licking just each other. No, They might as well be. I disagree. <laughs> they might as well have gotten naked and smushed booties right there on camera. Here's the thing. There was a conversation that we didn't see where he tells her that he's staying with her. We have I, not seen that as viewers. So they have had some interaction where base. And also remember that time that they kissed. Um, no, and she so, kissed him. Yeah, he didn't pull away. He was that not does mad. not equate him not pulling away does not equate to him kissing her back. I, it does in that scenario because he did also kiss her back. If you go back and watch it, it's not a peck on the lips and he turns away. It is a two person kiss. I don't know. It is one of the I didn't initiate it, but I didn't stop it. Yeah, that's not his fault. No, it is his fault that he didn't stop it. Oh, right. He could okay. Have it. He could have turned oh. away. He could have. He there is there is a give and take on his end. Okay, fine. Well, I I will give you that one. This is my gift to you is you can win this one. Um, well, I am right. So, uh, also <laughs> but yeah, we just have to it's up to our imaginations. You know, whatever was said when he went to her and said, I'm not going to stay with Meredith. I, I want to work on our marriage. I want to be to be with you and try and get through this. So that's for us to imagine in our little tiny brains because we don't ever see it. So that's why I don't think it's weird when she takes his arm. And they I mean, they're leaving together. They're going yeah. arguably 
to the same place when they to leave. have makeup intercourse so that she can scratch that itch, you know? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Then, then, so like you said, going back to that scene where you see again the full scope of emotional intelligence on on Bailey's face, and she's like, you know, this blows. I have to tell these guys that yeah. rounds is in five minutes. Yeah. She's like, better get cleaned up rounds in five minutes. And oof. I mean, she feel. I'm sure she feels the same way. She loved to go home. And, you know, she, she didn't was even on get her 10 year anniversary dinner. She, she was eating lobster. lobster. Yeah. <laughs> Bailey out here so, eating lobster. That's you know, my girl. It's just one of those things. So. What would you give this episode, Kelsey? I have to give it a, a five. I have to give it an attending. It's just so good. It does so much. It establishes a lot. It sets up a lot. It It makes you feel just the full range of emotions and it's got twists and turns and my only issue is it with it is I love more Addison cause I love Addison, but um, that's really my only issue with it. Cause there's just enough, uh, not George being annoying to not bother me. So that's good. So what about, uh, what about you? You, uh, you gonna withhold another five for funsies? <laughs> no, no, uh, I knew halfway through this episode that this was going to get a five. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is a full blown attending. Um, <sighs> Bailey win. Alex is back. George isn't a piece of shit. They're finally calling Meredith pathetic because she is. <laughs> the Derek conclusion to this piece is a good wrap up to their love triangle. The Bonnie Tom thing is just bonkers. The the Christina Burke boyfriend conversation is great. It's just, it really is such great writing. There's so many moments in this episode that I thought, okay, this is really, really good. And then they set up this potential conflict where they're establishing Addison is going to be here for a while. But what does that conflict look like? with Izzy trying to balance her friendship and her career aspirations. What's yeah, the maturity? Yeah, and not just Izzy now, too, you know. It's like, because if she's going to be an attending, then everyone's going to be on her service, in right. theory. So where is everyone's loyalty to Meredith going to lie, and what lines will they cross in that regard? Right, yeah. But um, it's also, also going to be... Go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I just forgot to mention that they cut to Tom and um, his wife telling his wife that he's going to be fine. So that was like the one happy ending for this sh- for this episode. <laughs> yeah, Tom and the babies lived, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. What I'm hoping, okay, so so prediction for me, there's going to be a growth arc for Meredith. I don't think it's going to be easy. But there is going to be a growth arc for her for her character where she's able to understand that her friends can both love her and also work with and for Addison. Yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, and Derek now at this point, Um, Meredith is going to have to understand where where Derek is coming from. Yeah, but I just don't know what that time frame looks like. Maybe by season eighteen. Maybe. Who's to say? Um, all right. Well, cool. So that was a really good episode. One of our, you know, one of our faves, one of everyone's faves, apparently. So that'll be 
you know, it's a hard, hard act to follow, but uh, I'm, we're going to follow it. There's more episodes. There's about, you know, 400 more. So we're just going to keep cranking them out. Thank you for, for keep continuing to listen. And if you have a second to share, share us with your friends, give us a rating or a review on whatever um, platform you listen. It would really help us out and help other people find us. And we appreciate the support and just um, thank you guys so much. Feel free to reach out. Um, email us grazeacademypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, grazeacademypod um, on there as well if you have any thoughts, suggestions, or whatever. But just remember, as always, no spoilies. We'll see you all in the next one.